Put simply, Brian Penny shouldn't be alive today. His drug addiction was so bad that he was deemed too much of a risk for detox. Determined to confront his demons, he went cold turkey at home. On October 8th, 2013, he was finally clean after 15 years of heroin addiction. And then something extraordinary happened. The world suddenly became beautiful. Given a second chance at life, he devoured every minute of it. For the week that's in it, I thought there's no better man to talk to. Uh, Brian Penny has rebuilt his life, returned to university to study neuroscience, and in a bid to understand the source of his suffering, he has helped so many others. This is an incredibly honest and inspirational story, and it's all contained within his book, which I have in my hands right here, Bonus Time by Brian Penny, a true story of surviving the worst and discovering the magic of every moment. I recorded this a while ago and held on to it because I wanted to release it at the right time because it is such a powerful one. And uh, Brian is an extraordinary fella. This is an episode that was only made possible through our listeners. In fact, the entire of Irishman Abroad is only made possible now through your support. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad to support us in continuing the show and expanding the show. In case you didn't know, we've gone to three episodes a week with the help of those patrons. We have a Tuesday show with Sonia O'Sullivan, which is all about running, but also everything around it and a little bit more. If you're a new runner, an old runner, or somebody who's let it go, that's the place to go on a Tuesday for a bit of inspiration. Myself and Sonia Sullivan for Irishman Running Abroad. And then, of course, every Friday, myself and Marion McKeown sit down to thrash out what the hell is going on in the US and this election. We've been dropping bonus episodes left, right and centre with Marion as she is out on the campaign trail. And those, of course, are exclusive to our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. It only costs less than a fiver, but you get access to everything including this conversation with Brian Penny in full and all of our conversations in full, ad-free and with access to our 400 episode archive. There's also a new opportunity there for a limited time only to pay for a full year's membership with a 15% discount. Our chosen charity partner is pretty connected to the Brian Penny story. Jigsaw.ie is our chosen charity partner and they are an incredible Irish youth mental health charity that helps young people survive pandemics, essentially. If you remember how hard it was to be a young person, you'll know that it would have been great to have a shoulder to lean on, uh, somebody to talk to, or just an ear when things were extra hard. Well, that's what Jigsaw are and an awful lot more. Head over there to the website if you've got a young person in your life who you know is struggling at the moment, or if you are a young person and you just need to talk to somebody and maybe figure out what the hell you're going through. There's an incredible amount of uncertainty out there for all of us. It uh, produces anxiety. It's that simple. Now, Jigsaw can't keep going without our support. So please, please, if you're going to buy something this weekend, just hold off, throw that money into jigsaw.ie forward slash now, and it will help a huge amount. That's the small talk. Now let's get down to business. Now, your programme, what's the big idea? Well, they've grown to know the Irish much better. We've now got to know how largely their mind works. I moved over here and immediately 
I had to up my game. I could not have done the job I, I did for quite a number of years in Ireland. I had to go and earn my living in England. I think a lot of it's in my hair. I think there's a lot of Ireland in here. I had an Irish upbringing. 20 years after an Irishman couldn't get a fucking job, we had the presidency. It was some heightened awareness of how hard my tribe had had it in London. No blacks, no Irish, no dogs. Never has a nation so small inspired so much in another. So you could say there's always been a little green behind the red, white, and blue. Our family is very Irish, you know. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special announcement to make at this stage. Would you welcome, please, the wonderful Charlie Thrigo! Brian Penny, it's brilliant to have you on Irishman Abroad. And the one thing that jumps out at me in everything that I read about you and watch of yours and having gone through the book several times is um, gratitude. I mean, there's this energy of appreciation that comes off you and everything that you now do. And I guess I'm not imagining that. I mean, the title of the book, Bonus Time, says yeah. it all. That for you every day and this consciousness that you have of being present and living now, is that the defining thing that comes out of all of this? That all of this trauma and this search for avoidance of pain and numbness and anesthetizing yourself that on the other side of it comes an appreciation and gratitude that pervades everything you do. Wow, Jared, it's really funny. Nobody has ever put put that in that context for me like that. Like I'm sitting here thinking with the name of my book, like bonus times, like a second chance at life. Like it describes the essence of gratitude. And I've always, I've always said there's a there's a couple of strands to that really. Like I mindfulness, meditation, present moment awareness. That was my number one goal. It was the foundations of everything in my life, and that practice was so important to me. But over the last two or three years i've said this many times that i think gratitude is 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 the most important practice in my life like to be grateful is the most powerful state to be in like you can't be angry you can't be jealous you can't be like you can't be irritated while you're being grateful and it's become such a powerful practice in my life and i have a, I have a very um, i have a very structured routine in the morning where gratitude is a really core component of that but back to your initial question, it's really interesting. People often say to me, oh, your family must be proud. You must be proud yourself to what you're doing. And it's really great that you're, 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 you must be this bravery kind of thing. You must be so brave. And I often say that it feels like like when I had that shift in perspective seven years ago, I'm coming up to seven years now on the 8th of October. And it felt like to me that I just jumped on a roller coaster. I just jumped in the in 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 the in the sea, the passenger seat, and it took me along for the ride. And I think that's why I feel so grateful. I feel very lucky that I had this shift, and I feel very lucky of the things that have come into my life. And obviously, I had to do a few things, like I had to go to college. I had to put the work in to get there. But I think you are dead right there. I think it's this eternal gratitude for giving me the second chance for allowing me to live on bonus time and i would say that is possibly the most important thing I, I, i'm delighted that you framed it for me that way that's well, a, bit, a bit of a bombshell yeah, I, well, I know i went in i went in deep early right because yeah. you know you've done so many talks you've done so much chat about this 
that I'm really keen not to cover anything that you've done before. I want to just get underneath it a bit more because, you know, the absolute wealth of information and guidance that you are now giving people through your speaking engagements and the book itself, which I've obviously going to urge people to pick up. But if we could maybe touch on the gratitude a little bit more, this is a this is a hard thing. And it's a thing that people talk about so much and it seems to come up so much. The practice of gratitude, like meditation, it you actually get better at it the yeah. more you do it. And that if you miss a practice, just like athletics, like running with Sonia O'Sullivan, like we do here every Tuesday, you'll feel it. That if anybody's been listening to this and had that period in lockdown where you really did feel like firing the toys out of the pram and there did feel a bit like, well, what the fuck do I have to be grateful for? My life was about to go somewhere and now there's nothing I can do to change that. You know, you couldn't get to that place of gratitude while addicted. But once you went through uh, rehab and it's beautifully articulated in the book these mornings of waking up and feeling like there was diamonds on the grass in the form of dew do you now go back to when you were addicted and examine at all for the benefit of the people that you now talk to what was preventing you reaching a place of gratitude yeah it's a it's another fantastic question and the, the main it's not easy. This, this is this is the golden ticket. Like it would really be if I had a, a great answer for this, it would be it would be able to snap people out of that that unawareness. And awareness really is the key piece. So for me, it was this lack of awareness. And I've I've read this a few times. I've, I've studied a lot of uh, Eastern philosophy and a, co- a couple of people I, I love to study on, on on this. No, and they even say that thing that the the addict in, and it doesn't have to be any, the addict. It could be anyone that's sort of living unaware, that's living up in their head, that's struggling with mental health difficulties but let's say the addict has the knowledge that drugs is killing them or alcohol is kill is is, kill, is killing them but they do not have the awareness once you have the awareness you cannot help but change and for me it was like this this awareness came into me like this self-awareness that i was actually killing myself it was like it was like i suppose i don't like to say waking up but it's like a form of of waking up really really for me and there's two strands of addiction as well really like uh, johan harry puts it puts a great says that sobriety is not the opposite of addiction connection is so i didn't have any connection in my life i was my addiction was stopping me from connecting with people but i would go one further than that as well and i would say that awareness is the opposite of addiction there was where the treatment center i was in there was a jesuit priest there as well and i got some amazing um wisdom from him and he didn't call it an addiction center he called it an awareness center and it's about waking up and once you wake up you cannot help but change so for me there's no real magic wand that you can that you can wave at someone and say, right, well, let's wake you up and, and you can build awareness and start being grateful for the good things in your life. I think the first thing, when it comes specifically to addiction, I think you have to get the, the, the biology right first. So you have to take the chemicals out of the system. Once the chemicals are out, yeah, once the chemicals are out of the system, then you give people a chance to actually look inward. 
but they do they do have to be ready like my mantra in life is that change is possible but change is hard and to change someone else is next to near impossible i think you can show them the way is the best way to do through your actions and you can plant seeds through talks and talk and doing podcasts and talking about things like this but the unfortunate fact is i think that people do have to find their own way into awareness to have that light bulb moment that moment of insight that they realize that there is another way forward and hopefully it can drop by people reading book reading books about addiction and listening to podcasts and then that give that might get them a glance into gratitude because as, as you said very difficult to get some very difficult gratitude. to get there yeah if yeah yeah so i mean you say something there that i know is going to hit home with anybody who's tuned in now who knows somebody in their life who they want to reach i mean this is the struggle of so many parents and the concern of a lot of parents whose kids aren't addicted yet but worry that potentially this is the battle of our age as parents i mean drinking cans in the field was you know the the standard uh, rule breaking of my era and it seems so innocent whereas that is so altmodish really not in the zeitgeist for young people now that it seems to be substances that are how you express that rule breaking what i'm trying to get to here is that thing you said about you can't change someone you can't do that and that the change has to emanate from them Uh, i think we've all had that experience with a kid where you nearly throw the trail of breadcrumbs down (laughs) so that he can arrive at the idea that maybe it'd be a good idea for us to turn off the computer game and get out of the house. (laughs) Uh, But if I were to say to my son, turn that yoke off, we're getting out of this house now. I mean, his shoulders will be down and he's not on board. But actually doing the inception trick of getting the seed to appear to them is like that's the challenge of trying to get people to where you are you could I'm sure you had hundreds of people try and get you there but it had to come from you that's exceptionally hard what do you say to anybody who's going well, how do I how do I get that seed to magically appear within the person? Well, yeah, it's 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 a super question, and and for me personally, I remember because I've talked with a lot of people that tried to convince me, family members, friends, counselors, and they just describe it as like I had a machine gun, a verbal diarrhea, like it was me me ego protected the story I told myself that was protecting me addiction, and it would protect me addiction at all costs. And I think for any any like we all have our beliefs and our stories and our self identity, and we will protect that identity at all costs. And I think if you want to get in at, at young kids and stuff like that it's about these preemptive tools like i'm a firm believer that like especially with google we have google today we have we have geography anything to do with geography anything to do with history and all this information on our phones so i know there has to be a measurement aspect of schooling and stuff like that but i think we need to teach kids like at a younger age like how to practice gratitude how to feel their emotions like i think for a lot of people like it's addiction happens from avoidance you don't like feeling your emotions so you act out and that might then lead to drugs and it might lead to, to other 
other problem behaviors going forward. But if you can give them that, that the, the tools to build self-awareness, to, to um, if, if the emotional, emotional intelligence, social intelligence, these kinds of tools. And I think that's really, really important. What, what I would say for, for kids as well, I'm really, I'm doing a lot of work in skills now at the moment and it, it's going to be my mission going forward. Like it's going to be me, me bigger mission, I suppose. And I'm really looking for that, that key element of how do you actually get these young people to engage. And something I'm playing with at the moment, like I talked to, uh, I talked to a couple of people who work with kids over here and it's getting them to engage with themselves. So leave your own ego at the door and get them to talk to each other because they listen to each other more than they listen to an adult spouting on about different things. But another another idea that I'm trying to get across is that it's not it's not to get out of mental health problems. It's not to survive. These tools are to thrive. And I don't believe I'm surviving an addiction. I want to thrive an addiction. So I use these tools to build self-awareness, to, to be happier, to have more energy, to be more positive, to be more enthusiastic and, and have purpose in my life and meaning in my life and to feel great is the bottom line. Like I, I think the first words in my book is I'm the happiest person I know and I, I fundamentally do believe that. And it comes from these practices. So I'd love to get it across to, to, to young kids, especially that if you implement these tools, like you will be able to thrive in life. So I try to sell the good rather than escaping the bad. And I'm hoping that's something I can get through to, to younger people going forward. Jigsaw.ie are obviously the chosen charity partner of Irishmen Abroad for a reason. And they talk about this very thing, equipping right. young people with the mental health tools and skills they'll need to survive and thrive in life i think that's in fact the wording on their website now that no you bring way. it up yeah I, I mean that thing you mentioned of rather than presenting them with the ogre in the room and actually talking about the achievement of excellence i mean it's just so obvious in so many ways right it yeah. doesn't uh, make sense to wag the finger Whereas it's way more attractive to sell this to young people as the way they would look at aspirational TV shows where those on there are doing extremely well for themselves or performing at the highest end of athletics, that we're not trying to stop you. We're trying to raise you up. You had to at some point have some of this chat like I know you're born 1978 but somewhere along the line Brian did so did any teacher in Declans in Cabra or anywhere pull you see where you were going and go here here's something that might help you the, the funny the funny thing is uh, with my story, Jared, that it's really interesting is because I was I often say that my book isn't even a, a book about addiction. It's a it's a book of self-deception. And I was a master. I was a, I was a black belt in self-deception. And I could tell myself uh, any kind of lie and believe it and act towards it. And I fundamentally didn't believe at that early age. Like I was I was good in school. I was academic in school. I went to college. I don't know, six months in college, and life was looking good. And when things were going bad, I, I had a very, I had, a, I had a, 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 a brilliant ability to deceive people because I was deceiving myself. So I think that was a core component of mine. So I don't think people knew I was in trouble. It was only in my mid-twenties where it was it, it became very obvious that I was in serious trouble. So I, I, to answer the question, I didn't really have anyone 
they, they, no, I don't think anyone thought there was the need to pull me aside because I always, I always put out this the idea that life was great, life was amazing, I was fine when I was actually crumbling on the inside. Well, they, we need to get into this now, and you know, to be honest, I knew you were going to say that, <laughs> and I kind of, <laughs> I kind of did tee you up for it because you know, I, I don't yeah. like, I don't like when interviewers play a game where they know what's coming so that's why I'm laying my cards on the table I'm, I right. know this black belt and self-deception line and I identify with it because right. you don't have to be connect, you don't have to be addicted to heroin to know that you're codding yourself like I think everyone listening to this has truths that they know are true of them that they don't tell anyone that they have kept within themselves and are have a facade a public face y- y- you are the master at this y- you know y- this addiction that you were in the depths of while holding down this job in graphics at a printing house i mean that's that's not a that's not an easy job and yeah. your colleagues like you they assume you like your uh, your pint you you manage to veil it in that kind of socially acceptable addiction i mean we have to f- think about that and talk about that a little bit brian because as you said in the book the, it's not that unusual for addiction to hide in plain sight that guys that were going for rehabilitation or methadone you said we're often driving vans we're often people in the workforce socially acceptable positions upstanding members of the community but in their own battle with their addiction can you talk about that a little bit yeah, it's and it's really funny, and it, it jumps out. It jumps out to me as well, like the amount of people with cocaine problems as well at the moment that are really, really struggling. Like, it, it, it I think, I think, I often hear people say with me because I had a heroin addiction. It's like this big, ugly monster, and her, heroin is a terrible word. But at the end of the day, it was like it, I was looking for an anesthetic for for something. I was looking to anesthetize myself. I, I couldn't face my own pain and I was looking to anesthetize myself. So that was really like the, the heroin or any drug that you take is really just a plaster for the wound. So addiction is addiction at the end of the day. And I think the human struggle that's going on at the moment is that many people are struggling. And I, I think you even look at like men in particular, I think one of the biggest things that that's that's a problem for, for many men in particular right now is, is this idea that you can't feel your feelings or you can't show your feelings and like for me I was numbing my feelings and I know a lot of people numb their feelings with some kind of drug with alcohol or whatever it is that they want that they want to use and I and I think that that's a big part of it as well because you can't be it's it, like basically they're you're hiding your feelings because you don't want to show your feelings because it's, it's it's supposedly not socially acceptable in some circles anyway and then it's not socially acceptable to be using drugs or to be taking using alcohol in that in in that sense as well so basically they're hiding how they truly feel and then they're hiding 
how they are managing not to fail. So all of a sudden, their life is becoming this 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 web of of deception, which would lead to more deception. Because if you're going to have to tell lies, it's going to lead to more lies. And I think then you'll end up telling yourselves all kinds of stories. You won't know what stories to believe. You won't know what mask you're wearing in any particular situation. And before you know it, you're living in you're living in a land of make believe, and that's that's where it can bring you. Can you can you spot it? Like, can can you spot? it or is everyone different because I'd imagine that there's there's again there's people listening going there's something going on with my brother or my my niece I wonder is it this I mean she seems to have an answer for everything have you having lived that level of deception and the anxiety that must have come with that are you able to spot it it's, it's quite difficult. It is quite difficult and it depends on the person and you wouldn't, I think you could feel it more than spot it. So if, if I was chatting to somebody and, and we were chatting about something in particular, you'll get, you'll get that gut feeling, you know, something isn't quite right. But if you were living with somebody, for anyone that's living out there and, and they're living with people and they're worried about loved ones and stuff like that, they think they might be in that situation as well. Over time, things will stop adding up. Like the, the lies will come out. Like it's very difficult to keep on lying. Like you have to have a very good memory for starters. So you, you mightn't see it at first, but you'll begin to feel it. And then, then I think you have to start listening to your gut. And then I think the problem is as well is that we don't want to believe the truth because sometimes the truth is scary. Like if you think they have an addiction, it might be on a serious addiction, whatever, if you're really, really worried about it, it could be a deep, deep addiction. You know, it might be easier in that moment to put your head in the sand and hope it goes away. But I think really it's it's about facing it in that moment. But again, it's about facing it in the right way. Like it's it's really like back back to the back to the young kids. Like you, you could have an argument with them, you might win the battle, but you won't win the war. The, the battle will be that you got them, you won the argument. We are not going to change their mind. So I think to change their mind, there's 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 an idea that I, I I often talk about. It's like planting seeds. Like there's there's three seeds. You can talk to people. That's the fourth seed, which doesn't very often often work, and people might get defensive. The second seed is the listening seed. Like you can actually listen to someone, but they're gonna have to be willing to talk. So maybe you can just plant a few seeds yourself. You can actually just try to say, do you want to talk about anything and see if they want to talk. And then when they talk, truly listen. Don't be thinking of what you're going to say. Truly listen and make them feel understood. But I think the best seed is the action seed. Like I, 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 I have a lot of people that come to work, come to me and ask me for help with loved ones where they're saying their loved ones, they think they might be taking drugs and they're saying, how can they control them? And I'm like, well, really, you have to get yourself right first. You shouldn't be looking to control people. You need to you need to look after yourself first. There's a lovely metaphor. It's a very simple metaphor. It's like the, the parent on a plane, like when the when the oxygen goes in, in the, ca- the cabin pressure goes, like you've got to put on your own oxygen mask first. If you look after yourself, then you can look after other people. So that is a message I would have for people is look after yourself, get your own mental health right, your own emotional uh, fitness right. And then you will be in a position to notice loved ones in those situations. Your gut will be aligned with your head and you'll know what's going on and you'll be able to make the right call in them situations. But to answer the question, it, it can be quite difficult to know that is going on. But I think listen to your gut on that and I don't think it will lie. Some of the stuff that's described in the book about the deception, as you say, and also the, you know, the delusion that I'm not an addict. Oh, no, yeah. no, like not me. Like I'm not like them. Even though you're yeah. in the pits of this and you're 
like in the homes of dealers, in the pockets of dealers, getting the credit union loans and just just in your debt up to your ears. I couldn't, like, I got anxious reading it, <laughs> and it's not even it's not even current day. But you describe it so well, and it's 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 the stuff that we know from things like The Wire and yeah. these shows that are, you know, I guess kind of glamorized on some level in that they're shiny, and that yeah, they show us the realities of the violence that comes with it. So there you have it, the incredible Brian Penny, a short snippet of our conversation, which you can hear in full. You really need to hear the rest of this conversation, all of our conversations in full over at patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. This may sound tricky. It may sound difficult to people to sign up on Patreon, but trust me, it's two clicks and you're in. You signed up, you click another link and then it populates in your podcast app and from then on you've got hundreds and hundreds of episodes live shows bonus series bonus content every single week for you to enjoy and with the election hotting up with marion McKeown, you have a companion and an ally to figure out and make sense of what is the most important election maybe ever to take place in america We've got bonus episodes of that lined up in the coming week. But as I said, Brian Penny's book is out. It's with Gill Books and it is available everywhere. Maybe a great one to add to your list of lockdown reading. Bonus time is the title of it. But please do come over and join me for the rest of the conversation. You won't regret it. We really go a bit deeper into Brian's story and how he found his way out the other side. And this week, the week that's in it, we do need some hope. We need some brightness. And that is exactly what Brian Penny offers. He's, of course, available for bookings and you can find him through his website. But there's lots more of that over at patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. My thanks to Brian Connolly for his production, John Marr for his extra research, Tina and Mikey for making it all possible. And to our patrons who have funded and supported Irishman Abroad since lockdown began back on March 14th. And... Um, I want to give one final shout out to Jigsaw.ie, who are the reason I've started this Irishman Running Abroad Challenge. You can hear more about that on Tuesday or by joining the Irishman Running Abroad Club. We have a running club over on Strava.com forward slash Irishman Running Abroad. I'll talk to you on Tuesday.